0: The Green Rush is real. From lawmakers and investment bankers to CEOs and investors, we'll look at how people are transforming cannabis from the shadows of the black market into a cash crop that draws in cannapreneurs from Hollywood to Wall Street. Here to help you navigate the business of cannabis, please welcome Lewis Goldberg and Ann Donahoe, brought to you by KCSA Strategic Communications.
1: Welcome to The Green Rush. I'm Lewis Goldberg and joined as always by Ann Donahoe, the hostess with the mostess and I've now lost count of how many times that is. Um, before we get into it, Anne and I wanted to let you, our listeners know that now that there are thousands and thousands of you who are listening to our little show every week, we really appreciate it. We don't take it for granted. When we started this about four or five months ago, we hoped to get a couple thousand people listening in. And now that we're getting feedback and people are listening, it really means a lot to us. Um You know, we, Anne and I get a lot out of these chats with the people that we're talking with. And while she and I work in the cannabis space, Every time we talk to somebody um, on this show, we all learn a little bit, and we hope that you're getting as much out of this as we are. Um, And now that we're in our 20th or 25th episode, um, you know that Ann and I usually talk with legislators or stock analysts or CEOs, but today on the Greenwich, we're joined by an NBA legend and a cannabis CEO, Al Harrington. If you're not a sports fanatic, then you may not be familiar with Al, but if you are, you know that baby Al or Buckets played in the NBA for nearly two decades. (laughs) drafted directly out of high school in the first round by the Indiana Pacers, and I'm a Knicks fan, so it, it hurts for me to say this, but you did play for the Knicks. Al played for seven different NBA teams, not counting two stints with the Pacers. Um, and while he was in the league, he averaged more than 13 points a game and nearly six assists, so the guy could shoot it and dish it. Um, he was not only a beast on the court, Al was one of the most respected players in the league, um, and he posted up against some of the greatest players to ever play in, in the NBA. But as much as we would love to talk with Al about sports. We are here to talk with him uh, about cannabis because his cannabis story is truly an interesting one. Growing up in Orange, New Jersey, Al saw many of his friends and neighborhood kids harassed and often arrested by the police for nonviolent marijuana crimes. Um, Having never used during his professional career, Al's grandmother, Viola, became the inspiration for his cannabis company, which is um, Viola Extracts. Um, Unlike many other professional athletes, Al always had his eye on what was next after his career ended. He knew that he was not going to play until he was 60, so he had to figure out what to do with his life. Um, He's become one of the most vocal advocates for medicinal cannabis in the country, um, and Al is working with the NBA to allow players to use cannabis medicinally. He even got David Stern, the former commissioner of the NBA, to come out and officially support medical marijuana. Well done, Al. Um, And most importantly, thank you for taking time out today to talk
2: with us. No, thanks for having me. I really appreciate this and, you know, being an advocate, you know, being able to continue to speak to people and continue to educate them and just let them know how amazing this plant uh, we call cannabis is.
1: It really is. Um, So it's not that long ago, Deputy Commissioner of the NBA, Mike Bass, gave a statement to the USA that said, um, while current Commissioner Adam Silver has said that we are interested in better understanding the safety and efficacy of medical marijuana, our position remains unchanged regarding the use by current NBA players of of, uh, marijuana for recreational purposes. So you were in the league for a long time, 16 years, um, and you knew the incidence of use amongst the players, the coaches. Um, When do you think that the NBA will adopt rules to reflect state and local laws for use of medicinal marijuana by its players?
2: I uh, think that it'll happen once, you know, once they get more um, information from doctors. You know what I'm saying? And that's the reason why I always, you know, preach the fact that we need more testing. We need people to we need, you know, the government to open up the funds so that we can start testing and realizing so that they can realize or the world can realize how special this plan does. It just gives guys, it gives people in general an alternative way to medicate themselves, and I just think it's something that needs to be looked at because at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of players, and I was one of those guys that, you know, took pharmaceutical drugs for, you know, years and years and years, and at the end of the day, you know, I have no idea how that's going to impact my body long term, but if I knew that cannabis could help alleviate some of these issues, and when you know that it's an all-natural option, I definitely probably would have tried it.
3: Hmm. So 16 of the league's teams play in states uh, uh, that allow either medical cannabis or adult use. And that's really uh, the majority of the NBA team's um, players and, and actual games where they're played, you know, in states where it's legal. What are the owners of these teams um, tend to fall on the use of cannabis, either by their players or coaches or themselves? Uh, is this something that, that they're... They're talking about, or they're just waiting for the league to to kind of, or to take their, um, you know, their view from whatever the league tells them.
2: I think, especially with some of the younger owners, I think they're definitely open to it. You know, I'm almost, I almost feel, you know, and I can't speak with, you know, I can't say matter factly, but I think a lot of the owners actually use cannabis themselves for different <laughs> issues. You know, so it's just one of those things where, like, a lot of it's perceptions everything, and I mean, that's the one thing that I hate about our country. You know, you look, at, you go to abroad, you know, a lot of people are, are allowed to be themselves, but here we're just always so conscious of our image and different things like that, so no one's going to be the first person to jump out, jump out there and say we actually support that because they're so afraid of the backlash. But, you know, if I, you know, when I really think about it, I really feel that You know a lot of these owners are already using if they're not using family members are using medicinally and um they know that there are some healing properties to this plant that you know players should be having access to but they just can't get around the fact that they just feel that fans would think that as soon as they okayed it that soon as a bad as soon as a guy has a bad game the first thing they're going to go to is he must have been sitting at you know on his couch with a bong last night all night (laughs) and that's why you know he can't play at a high level and, you know, that just brings me to, you know, you think about liquor and alcohol, we know how bad liquor is for us. We know that liquor is not one positive thing about drinking liquor. You know, and at the end of the day, you know, you go to any NBA arena and there's signage. There's, you know, there's on the billboards, there's, there's, you know, the teleprompter, everything promoting all these liquor companies. And we know the fact that, you know, liquor not only uh, kills your body health wise, but it also puts drunk drivers behind, you know, steering wheels and killing innocent people constantly. So, you know, it's just it's just one of those things where just people need just to be more educated and I think they will then realize that, you know, cannabis is definitely a viable option to help keep these players healthy and, you know, playing at a super high level.
3: And playing for longer, right? Um, and playing yeah. for longer.
2: Yeah, definitely playing longer. I, I feel that if I was able to use cannabis and, you know, not just, and when I talk about that, it's not about just sitting smoking because, you know, I don't believe it or not, I don't even smoke weed every day, you know. But the fact that, you know, I use CBD product, hemp products where, you know, I take, 100 to 150 milligrams of CBD every day that to me is like healing my body from within. It allows me to be able to cope, give me a better quality of life instead of me taking the Celebrex and all the other stuff that I was taking, you know, for nine and a half years, just to be able to go out there and compete at a high level. And even with my knee, I've actually made a a, a, a pain cream that, you know, is it's a pain relief cream, but for me, it actually healed my knee because I, I was all, the reason why I retired is because I couldn't get this fluid out of my knee and I was bone on bone, so I was just in so much pain. But now that I use this cream literally every day, I mean, I have no more inflammation in my knee. And I have no pain, so I feel like I could go play in the NBA today.
3: <laughs> I actually sent that- your Players' Tribute uh, article to, uh, I know two people who really struggle with rheumatoid arthritis, and I know they've been on and off Celebrex, and so that, for whatever reason, that drug rang a bell, and I forwarded it to them, like, and said, have your doctors ever explored this? So, um, you know, I, from a personal standpoint, I appreciated that, because I know that they don't like taking those drugs. Um,
2: so. Right, yeah. So you you good. Okay.
1: I'm sorry you're literally the biggest player in the cannabis space at 6'9 and and more than 240 (laughs) pounds dude you are you're not small but you're also one of the few cannapreneurs of color why do you think there are you know so few african-americans or latinos or asians who are owning cannabis companies
2: well I mean where do I start with that number one let's just start with first the fact that a lot of a, a lot of minorities are just afraid because they've seen the war on drugs, they've grown up and they've seen their parents' experience, they've experienced it. So for a lot of them, they can't even grasp the fact that they could actually go and really grow marijuana legally. They're just scared. That's you know, the start there because they're just terrified from the, you know, all the things that they've seen, you know, coming up. But the second thing, which is probably more important than the first, is that a lot of times we just don't have access to capital. You know, you just don't have the access to capital because at the end of the day, every year is becoming more and more expensive to get into the space. And in a lot of ways, the, the way they're writing these laws in a lot of these states, you know, they're requiring you to have, you know, anywhere from 250000 to $4 million in the bank showing as working capital. Uh, you have to have, you know, all these different things that, you know, just a lot of people of color or, or minorities just don't have that accessibility to. And, you know, I, I think that those are the main reasons why, you know, a lot of a lot of you know minorities are not in the space. Those are the two main reasons.
1: So we're going to continue this conversation when we come back from break. We're talking with Al Harrington, uh, one of the great players in the NBA and more importantly, one of the great advocates for cannabis today. We will be back on the Green Rush after this.
0: More Green Rush coming up after we roll through our sponsors.
3: Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Boober Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way.
0: Banking and Bud, understanding the business of cannabis. Welcome back to The Green Rush, only on CannabisRadio.com.
3: And we're back. We're talking with NBA legend and entrepreneur Al Harrington. Um- And Lewis, I'm going to jump around a little bit because I have a question that I (laughs) want to ask. The cannabis use, and it kind of pivots off of what we were just talking about. Cannabis use across all society tends to be equal. So the rates of cannabis by whites, African-Americans, Latinos, Asians are all basically the same, but the rates of incarceration are so incredibly skewed. Um, And, you know, you cited this in in your Players' uh, Tribune story that – African Americans are something like four times more likely to be arrested for nonviolent cannabis crimes than than whites. Um, I, what do you think should be done to address this? and I, where do you see yourself in uh, taking leadership of this this type of issue?
2: Well, I mean, obviously, you know the first place we could start is by legalization because make it not a not a crime to actually be able to have cannabis, you know um at the end of the day this is a this is medicine this is this helps people with a lot of different issues you know range from anxiety depression uh, people that have you know that are really sick with you know epilepsy you know there's just so many things that this plant actually helps so is one you know legalizing it and, you know, the war on drugs is just it really sucks because, you know, when you think about it, I mean, there's a lot of kids that, you know, these 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 charges of people having like, you know, four or five nickel bags <laughs> of weed. And, you know, and now it's legal in other states where you can grow it, you know, by the thousands of pounds. So, you know, this biggest thing is just our country, you know, find a way to get on the same page. I think one rescheduling the drug so that we can now get the testing done and different things like that. And then eventually we get to the point where you know it's like liquor we just go through this prohibition period but you know you think about you know all those arrests and you know to me i, I call marijuana somewhat of a poor man's uh it was it was considered a poor man drug i don't call it drugs anymore you know i really call it uh medicine or flower different or cannabis in, in general but you know you, you think about all the rest they're all in the ghetto like where people literally have mm-hmm. nothing But then, you know, some of my, uh, you know, guys I've done joint ventures with and different things like that, they tell me they've been smoking weed since, you know, they were 14 years old. And then when they were in college, they were the biggest drug dealers in college. And then if you think about that, have you ever heard, like, I, I you know, I, I pay attention to the news and stuff like that. There's never no huge raids or busts on college campuses. You know what I'm saying? But you go into the worst part of Baltimore, the worst part of New Jersey and different things like that. And there's all these raids and different things like that. So it's just about just, you know, you know, just flipping the whole narrative in general and just you know allowing this plant to 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 be the amazing plant that it is and for everybody just to change their getting more educated to realize that this is not a drug
1: so you grew up in a, a tough part of new jersey um not far from where i live but i live in a much nicer area than orange and you went to high school in elizabeth um how are you reaching back into those communities to help them through cannabis you know to help the 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 young black kids in a, in elizabeth or in newark or orange to to see the opportunities as opposed to the challenges
2: well you know obviously that's something that we're literally just starting to work on just because new jersey is now they have a governor that's marijuana friendly and is looking like a lot of the you know the rules and stuff are going to change there so that cannabis will be allowed. So, you know, for me, the biggest way to help is, number one, is, you know, obviously giving back to the community, you know, just enough in and in, in giving back to these communities where the war on drugs was heaviestly, you know, affected, you know, and, and for me, you know, trying to give these kids jobs and different things like that to work in this industry because they have a real passion for this plant, you know, and, and it's, it's weird because, you know, even I grew up this way. I felt like growing up that, you know, when you when you smoked marijuana, you was unmotivated. You just wanted to sit on the couch and have the munchies and different things like that. And now I look at it today in 2018, you know, I run a cannabis company that's a pretty, you know, pretty big company, and I use, and that it never stops my motivation. It Like I said, it actually helps me. It gives me a better quality of life. So it's just about educating the kids and, and like I said, just pretty much giving them an opportunity to be a part mm-hmm. of this industry especially because I feel like you know this whole industry was founded on their backs or their their parents backs or their family members backs because they're all the ones that are behind bars behind this and now we look at you know at this point in 2018 where like I said there's so many huge companies out here that is you know gaining from this industry.
1: You've told the story uh, about your grandmother Viola widely Um, and I'm sure she's she looks like an amazing woman um, and how she used cannabis to initially treat her glaucoma. And you even named you what, you know, one of your company's Viola Extracts after her. Can you talk a little bit about what that company does? And also, can you talk about the impact that, that those products have had on the patients who are using it?
2: So Viola Extracts was founded in 2014 in Denver, Colorado. Um, you know, after I saw what happened to my grandmother and, the, you know, how it affected her and Immediately on me just made her better, gave her vision to see again. You know, I started doing a lot of research, and you know I read, I read you know how cannabis helps people like I said before, anxiety, uh, depression, different things like that, you know, kids with epilepsy, kids that have seizures, different you know stuff. So when I saw that, it inspired me to you know try to help other people. So um, my cousin, who's my business partner, um, he came he moved to Colorado and we started growing as caregivers. So we were growing we were growing uh, cannabis for cancer and HIV patients only. So, you know, we, we we grew for them specific strains that helped them with the issues that they were dealing with. And that's how we learned the business. Um, in 2014, Colorado pretty much, you know, ended the, the caregiver model for the most part and made you decide you had to become a company. So We, you know, we sat down, we talked about it and we just realized that our inspiration, what bought us there was Viola. So we started that company and, you know, when we first started the company, obviously we were were selling flour, but the one thing that I realized that was like the real medicine was in concentrate form because it allowed people to be able to use it in so many different forms that will make them more comfortable. Using it because a lot of people, even my grandmother to this day, like you know, she, she, you know she medicates every day, but she doesn't like to medicate through a joint. She rather right, not a everybody's
3: edible. a smoker, right?
2: Yeah, she rather eat an edible, different things like that. So what we did was we started uh, viola extracts, and with extracts that means that we can pretty much make any type of product that once we what well, well, we do. In houses we grow everything to extract so you know most companies extract just from their trim and different things like that but for us we use the whole now we use whole nug extraction so we make product that is super high quality and super consistent consistency is everything and we try to get people the best medicine that we can give them at all times Um, uh, we uh, we offered live resin shadow wax crumble uh, we we just started our vape cart line. We're actually now starting to sell flour, um believe it or not just because there are some smokers that do actually still enjoy flour. <laughs> so and, and it also gives us a way to show our to show a lot of our uh, patients and our customers their starter material just to see how amazing the flour is that we actually put into that machine to actually turn into these concentrates. So, you know, for us, you know, I, for me, like my moniker is almost like, you know, I won't sell anything on the market that is not good enough for my grandmother. So for me, that means that it's always super high quality, the best thing that I can find at all times. And is her picture on the packaging? She is not. No, I did not put a picture on the packaging. Ah, uh, well. I didn't, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> <That> <laughs> we thought awesome. about it, it's funny, it's funny when we were when we were going through uh, picking out the pack. you know, our, our logo, uh, we had a couple of them that, that it was never her face, but it was just like grandma's on the packaging. But then I just thought about, you know, as we evolve as a company and different things, you know, and stuff like that, we would we probably would have to get away from that, you know, to really appeal to the masses. So if you've seen our logo, we really we love it. It's been amazing. And, uh, you know, just moving forward.
3: So you have you talked about your operation in Denver and um, you've got operations also, I believe, in Florida, California and Oregon, um, and you've talked about expanding to Jamaica, um, and I kind of want to talk about you put on your business hat for a second. There's a lot of, uh, you know, you went to straight out of high school into the NBA. Given your career path, what has best prepared you to becoming this cannabis entrepreneur? What lessons have you learned through your your life on the court, your life on the road, um, that are applicable to to the weed business?
2: Well, the thing I took from the court is work ethic. Um, You know, I I started playing basketball as a freshman in high school and I came out of high school. I went pro out of high school. So I'm no I'm no stranger to hard work. And I know how much work it took for me to get that good. in you know, two and a half years to be considered an NBA player and got drafted and played 16 years. So for me in this industry, I feel like there's no company that's going to outwork my company. You know, we're gonna, we, I mean, we, we get down to it. I wake up thinking about Viola, I'll go to sleep thinking about Viola. So, you know, from a work ethic standpoint, you know, that's what I got from basketball, just knowing that, you, you know, you get out of it what you put into it. And from that standpoint, I'm gonna put everything I got into this industry because I know that we can be the winner, be one of the winners because I know what we stand for. I know the products that we make and the fact that we're really out here trying to help people and change people's lives. Um, from a business standpoint, I learned a lot from my financial advisor, you know, um, the, my, the one that my first one that I had because I'm first generation money from my family. You know, no one's in my family, I think, until I became a pro, probably even made six figures. So a lot of times you don't really have nobody, you know, at home or different things like that to really teach you business acumen and practices and different things like that. But the financial advisor guy that I had, his name was Bill Wilcoxon. He really taught me how to really look at deals, do due diligence. You know, no matter what hairball scheme idea I bought him, uh, friend that told me he always he always made me do research on it myself, and they tell me now, do you think that's a good idea? A lot of times I'm like, it, it, no. <laughs> so, um,
1: uh, so wait, so you actually, because most guys talk about how their advisors rip them off. You, you're singing his praises, which is relatively rare in the the professional athletic space.
2: It's <laughs> it's, it's extremely rare, extremely rare. We don't work together anymore, be, just because. You know he's very conservative uh he's from he's from lexington kentucky so i call him like a good old boy and uh he so just if you were
3: in- investing in bourbon it would be a different story exactly
2: right? or, to- <laughs> or tobacco or tobacco right he just could not wrap his head around he just thought i was going to get him locked up
1: <laughs> you just got to get him high man just get him good and high and he'll get it
2: yeah he was just like look you're not gonna get me arrested we got to separate so uh so it didn't work out long term but believe me the foundation that he laid has been amazing and, you know, that gets, definitely gives me a lot of my you know, business savvy. And just to correct you, the states that we're in right now currently, we're in Colorado and Denver. We're in uh, Fall City, Oregon. Uh, we're in Detroit, Michigan, where we just applied for our licenses. And then we just did a joint venture partnership here in California that's going to bring us to Cali- California, Arizona, and Nevada by the end of 2018. And then internationally, we're working on the deal in Jamaica, well, and the deal in Jamaica is probably going to um, end up bringing us into Canada as well
3: oh great okay thank you for correcting us there
2: yeah um, no
3: problem yeah let's take a quick break uh, we're talking with uh, the great NBA uh, pro Al Harrington and entrepreneur and investor and founder and all of those other good things we'll have a whole <laughs> list of your of your cred uh, in our in our show notes so we'll be right back
0: More Green Rush coming up after we roll through our sponsors.
4: Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. The smoke is rising and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested.
0: Banking and Buds: Understanding the Business of Cannabis. Welcome back to The Green Rush, only on cannabisradio.com.
1: So we are back with uh, Al Buckets Harrington. Um, talking cannabis, the NBA, and uh, his grandmother. So um, as we talked about, you're from New Jersey, um, and it looks like New Jersey is close to becoming an adult use state. Um, A recent poll shows that nearly 60% of voters in the Garden State want to end the prohibition. What do you think that impact will be on cities like Newark, Orange, Camden, Elizabeth Ware? you know, there are massive numbers of African-Americans who are incarcerated in the Garden State. I mean, what do you think is going to change in those cities?
2: I think it's going to, number one, give a lot of these, uh, those cities opportunities. So, you know, the one thing that I want to go out there and lobby for is that those cities really open up to cultivation, manufacturing, and even retail. Because, you know, I, I just, I firmly believe that I would much prefer a friend of mine to, you know, go to a, to go to a dispensary, buy him an eighth of, of, of OG Kush or buy him a couple edibles, take those edibles and go home and chill out with his family and be mellowed out and just and just cool. And compared to him going drinking liquor, being violent, getting behind the steering wheel, different things like that. So I just feel like that it will one give the community a, a alternative way to deal with stress and different things like that. And at the end of the day, there's no liquor companies or anything opening up any opportunities in any of these ghettos or any of these hoods. But cannabis can do that and give guys a different option and give them more opportunity to thrive.
3: Your interview with David Stern was really interesting, and we'll post a link to it in the show notes. You seem to have persuaded him on the benefits of cannabis. Did that conversation surprise you?
2: It didn't, um, because... uh, it did a little bit. I'll tell you why. I mean, I met with him three different times to kind of educate him. Just you know, every time I we sat and talk, and you know, Dave is a very very busy man. Like literally, you get fifteen to forty five minutes max with him at a time. And every time, first time it was a fifteen minute meeting. Second meeting it was so to be it was it was fifteen minutes on his schedule. We talked for an hour. The second time he gave me thirty minutes. We talked for an hour and a half. <laughs> the time hmm. the third meeting he was like, "There's no time limit. Just let's just talk." You know what I mean? So. He was very open to it. At first, he was totally against it. He's like, "Ah, you just want to get high, ah, and guys just want..." to. <laughs>
1: Hold on, the guy must have been high to approve the next trade, uh, <laughs> the Celtics, because there's no way that he was sober when that went
2: through. Right, right, <laughs> probably, but he didn't, he didn't, he didn't fess up to that. But he was definitely <laughs> just like, you know, guys just want to smoke and this. And then I gave him my story. I told him about my grandmother's story. I told him about some of the patients we've helped over the years. You know how we had. You know, a patient that had 150 tumors on his lungs, and we we produced Rick Simpson oil for him, and the doctor told me he had six months to live, and that was two years ago. He's still alive and no tumors on his lungs. So when I start telling him all those stories, and I I let him read some of the testimonials from some of the people that we've helped, and he was just like, wow, this is a real option. We need doctors to now get involved so that we can really make a scientific decision more than just us guessing or case-by-case type of thing. So... When we had that discussion And on camera I I had no idea That he was gonna Sign off on it like that I promise And it's funny Most people all say Well how much uh, uh, How much uh, percentage Does he own of your company (laughs) And I'm like He owns none (laughs) Like you know He really I mean I really just I think I I pulled at his heartstrings And I think I gave him Enough information That you know You know Dave is a lawyer You know At the end of the day And he's not gonna say anything That he doesn't mean You know And, And for him to say that to me spoke volumes and obviously it spoke volumes because you know I've, I've had stories of people telling me like in college, in the colleges that they go to, like, you know, that video is like one of their, uh, I don't know if it's called a thesis or what, you know, I didn't go to college. So it's like something that they, you know, they, they talk about the video, have kids write up on the video and different things like that. So we we making strides and David was amazing today, And he's always been a, you know, a pioneer. And uh, I think that, you know, by him saying that, that's definitely gonna, you know, help me be able to move this thing forward.
1: So, Al, we, we would love to talk to you for hours and hours, but we're going to be respect- respectful of your time. Um, and we are now at the segment um, that everybody's been waiting for. It's Puff Puff Pass. So right. we're handing it off to you, my friend, two puffs, two things that you like about the industry, and the one thing that's driving you
2: absolutely nuts. Two things I love about the industry? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And two things I don't like. Uh, no, one th-
1: thing, just one
2: thing. One thing. Okay. One thing you two things like. I love about the industry. Um, one is that we are on the forefront of changing the way people medicate themselves. And this prohibition is going to have way more meaning than the, the liquor one because we're about to get a product um, accepted that's going to be able to heal the world. Um, Amen. Second thing is that I love about the industry is that I don't know that i, I probably that I'm that we in the industry that it's an industry. <laughs> <laughs> like, Just that, yeah, you know, that crazy, literally, right? Like literally I, 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 I grow pot and, <laughs> and I sell it legally. And not only are we able to make money, but we're helping a lot of people. So those are the two things that I love about the industry. One thing I don't like about the industry is I don't, what I don't like about the industry is the bad actors, the people that are just in it for the short term, just trying to get money grabs, different things like that. I think the industry is big enough that we all can play in it. And I just think that every time we have a bad actor you know, it's like one of those things we could take a 100 steps forward, but one bad actor could make it be 150 steps back. So if we could just, if everybody could just get on the same page, just all try to just do it the right way. I just think this could be just a beautiful thing for everybody.
1: Wow. Well said um so we have been chatting with al harrington the former nba great um, and now amazing canapreneur to keep up with al check out his company viola extracts which is viola v-i-o-l-a extracts.com or on twitter which is at viola extracts and instagram um you can check out al at al harrington it's a-l-h-a-r-r-i-n-g-t-o-n-3 um Thank you so much for joining us today,
2: Al. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me,
3: man. Wait, we have one last question. Go okay. ahead. Who do you have winning in your bracket?
2: Uh, you know what? I didn't even know the tournament started <gasps> until last night, so <laughs> I missed, I missed the whole bracket thing. I'm too busy. Wow. <laughs> but well, if I had to pick, if I had to pick, I would pick. Oh, who's good? Uh, Duke? Are they still in it? Yeah. Let's
1: yeah, they're it. still in it. Let's That's a bad, it. It's right. a bad choice. It's a bad choice. i They got three number one seats. So, um, oh, Thank and so always, much. a special thanks to Brasco, Over the Top Rope, um, and uh, Nick Opich, our two producers. Um, without them, you guys wouldn't be hearing this. Um, you would probably be just hearing a lot of buzzing because of the feedback on my equipment, which is <laughs> always annoying. Um, and Al... Um, we would definitely love to have you back um, in a couple of months uh, just to, to catch up. We really, you know, this was really fascinating.
2: Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it, and uh, anytime. I'm always I'm always ready and willing.
3: Well, are you going to any of the uh, the upcoming shows, like MJ Biz or anything like that?
2: Uh, yeah, I'll be at the MJ Biz. Um, I'm also going to go to the one up in Boston. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, yeah, I'm going to start making my rounds. I'm going to uh, eventually start getting around and doing a lot of the panelist stuff as well, so... Nice. Look for that in 2018 to really be more vocal at a lot of those events.
3: Great. Well, we'll probably see you then. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Take care.